Well, this morning you turn to Ephesians chapter 2, if you will. And as we get ready to dive into our second segment on the Essentials series, it will take us through up into November. Um, we're on the topic, the subject of redemption. It makes a lot of sense that if you're going to speak about sin and the effects of sin and what sin does, can we please follow that up with a cure, right? And so I started thinking in that, that tonality of cures. How many of you have been the dubious recipient of home remedies? How many of us have been in a crowd of people or we're at a gathering and, you know, we've got a little sniffle or we've got a cough or we're just like covered with sores? Uh, You know, if that's you, I don't want to know about it. But somebody has got to tell you their personal remedy, right? How many of you have ever been told you've got to drink Theraflu? That's the solution. How many of you have ever been told you've got to start pounding emergency, right? You've got to do that. And, and I always dread being that person until allergies nearly killed me. Nearly killed me. And I found the blessed redemption of something called Flonase. <laughs> now, I just found out it's addictive, so that bummed me out. But uh, I always thought that Flonase was an extension of God's grace. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. So sore throat. Here's, anybody got a home remedy for sore throat? Okay, there's one that comes from, from a long time ago in the Commonwealth of England. They would tie dirty socks around their neck. I, I don't know who came up with that. But the theory is this, that it would smell so bad that it would keep people away from you and therefore your immunity system could recover. I don't know. I don't know what to think. But don't do it. It doesn't work. Um, memory loss. Anybody suffer from memory loss? It may not be necessarily a, a, a passing virus. It may just be the curse, right? So here's what they say. Now, this will be interesting to see if any of you are up for this. But don't worry. You'll forget it by the time you get home. <laughs> again, I am not endorsing any of these. I'm just sharing. I'm just the messenger. They say for memory loss, you want to take a clove of garlic and dip it in chocolate, and you need to do that three times a day. A clove of garlic dipped in chocolate. Somebody wrote, can I please use strawberries instead of garlic? So, you know, maybe some people will will try that out this week. How about cold sores? Home (laughs) remedy. A home remedy, I think I'd keep the cold sore. A home remedy for cold sores um, is use your earwax. Take your earwax and apply it liberally to your cold sore. I'm just saying, okay? But I think the greatest one, the only one I really have is on hiccups. Anybody got a remedy for hiccups? Everybody's got a remedy for hiccups. So mine is, mine is that you hold your breath, And you swallow as many times as you can and without breathing. And if you can do it up to four times, you probably should. So I was doing this with one of my daughters on the way, and it didn't work. And so I was was acting all solemn, like, I can't believe it. And she's just focusing on on the, the hiccup that's overwhelmed her body. And at the last second, I just screamed and lunged at her while we're driving. And she almost went through the window and it solved her hiccups. We don't talk anymore, but it solved her hiccups. 
Um, here's, some, here's some home remedies. <laughs> Again, I'm just sharing. Here's some home remedies on hiccups. Think of all the bald men you know. Blow on your thumb. <laughs> A laugh. That was the next one. To laugh. Cough. Stand on your head. Anybody done that one? I've actually heard that one. Stand on your head to get rid of hiccups. Uh, rub your earlobes. I actually, I actually think that that one's a cure-all for everything, right? You have like an aunt or a grandma that always used to rub your earlobes, right? Um, sing loudly. See, that's why nobody's hiccuping right now. Uh, eat a spoonful of sugar. Eat peanut butter. That's great for people with peanut butter allergies. You won't ever hiccup again, literally, ever. Um, drink from the opposite side of the cup. You may not hiccup, but you'll be soaking wet. I, I don't understand. So on and on, have someone scare you, spin around clockwise while rubbing your stomach counter. I think people make these up just to make us look stupid whether or not we actually survive the hiccups. So this morning, really what I want you to consider is crazy cures. Because if we've been talking about the essentials and we've been in this malaise of talking about what sin does to us. The Scripture is clear about the poison of sin and how we've all been affected by sin. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Well then, what is the answer to that illness? What is the cure? And I offer to you that that cure is crazy. It is crazy. Let's get to Ephesians 2, 4-9. through So, we were in 1 through 3 uh, last week. And we're going to do something interesting here. We'll just read the passage. But then we're going to break out the words that I think really are the ingredients for the cure. Have you ever wondered about that? When you take medication, you're thinking, what are these active ingredients that are actually healing me? Right? What I want to do is I want to parse that out in this passage. I want us to focus on what is this crazy cure for sin. It's called redemption, by the way. That's the prescription. But if you take that prescription, let's ask this morning, what are the active ingredients that makes redemption be a cure? And a crazy cure. Let's look at the passage this morning. Ephesians 2 Four through nine is where we are. And it starts, Paul starts by saying, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with Him, and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Let me just pause for that because I won't speak about it again. That is the end of the story. That regardless of our lowly estate here, however hard, however difficult it is, that the result of redemption is that we are raised up. We hear it all around our nation right now, don't we? Inequality. Inequality inequality. I want what that other person has. I want that good life. Do you realize what the cure is offering you? 
It's a parenthetical thought to the active ingredients, but I don't want to skip over it. That's why I'm pausing for a moment. Let me read it one more time. It says, starting in verse 6, by the grace that we have been saved, he, and, we, and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, let's continue on. So that in the coming age, He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Does that paint a picture of who God is to you? For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. This morning, what I want to do is encourage you with some letters. Um, I don't know if we can run that video, but these guys were waiting for me to give the high sign for the video, and maybe that's what's happening. Imagine for yourself that you have a piece of paper. You do. It's in your bulletin. I encourage you to take it out. On the front, it says sermon notes. On the back, it's blank. Here's your assignment today. Write down what you'll see on the screen under sermon notes. Fill in the blanks. But on the back, I want you to participate with what you see in this video. This is a powerful, powerful statement in this video. It's called Grace Pictures. And if you were given the opportunity to paint a picture, you're thinking, I don't paint. Well, that's okay. Some of the things that you're going to see are, are tremendously simple. And maybe we'll just run it at the end of, of the message today. But the idea is, how does grace and the gift of grace affect you personally? You're hearing tremendous and powerful Scripture this morning that is life-changing. But how does that apply to you? How does it affect your life? Otherwise, it's just an instruction manual. So this morning, let's go back to the Scripture and I'm going to highlight some words here. You have uh, some fill-in-the-blank, I believe, in your sermon notes, do you not? So let me help you. These are the ingredients... For grace. These are the ingredients. Verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy. Mercy is one of our key ingredients towards redemption. Because of the what? Great love. Because of the great love with which He loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made what? Alive. Together with Christ. By grace, you have been what? Saved. And raised, <clears throat> and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages He might show, and here it is, this is a lot to write down, the immeasurable riches of His grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Immeasurable riches. Of his grace. That parenthetically, you could say, is the gift that just keeps on giving. We'll focus on that in just a bit. Verse 8 For by grace 
you have been saved through faith. Now that faith part is an important thing. We'll circle back around to this at at the conclusion today. Really, we're saying that the active ingredients this morning to redemption are grace and mercy. And let me just take a moment to say this. It's not in my notes, but I really wanted to highlight this. That the whole act of redemption is through God and Jesus Christ. We have a sport court that's being built. Somebody said to me recently, you did it. You did it, Pastor Jim. No, I didn't. If I were to go out there and lay the cement and lay the pavement, we would not be playing anything on that. It would be a goopy thing of uneven tar. Be glad I didn't do it. But you know what we did is we came to a group and we accomplished something we couldn't individually. And then we had to go hire a contractor that could do what we couldn't do. But when we gather on September 4th, we will celebrate what God has done through us. That is an extension of grace. Transfer that spiritually. There is nothing that you and I do to receive redemption. It was all through God, through His Son, Jesus Christ. And that is exemplified at the end by Paul's statement, this is all through God. It is all through grace. It's not by works. And one of the reasons that we made it that way, God says, is so none of you could boast that you really did it. So when somebody came to me, Pastor, you did it. You, I said, no, I don't get to boast about it. Fact is, yeah, sure, my family gave a little bit towards that, but it would have put a stick in the field. Right? We might have been able to cover about a two-foot-by-two-foot two corner. So I didn't do it. And that's what redemption is. It is all through God. But there is one element for you and I in order to receive that gift. And that's faith. We'll circle back around to it. Here we go. So you see the words that we've highlighted when it comes to redemption. What are the active ingredients? Mercy, great love. It makes us alive. Grace, saved. Look at the continuance of just the beautiful blossoming of life in these words. The immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. By the way, that word kindness can be uh, paralleled with the idea of mercy. And then you see grace again and saved and faith and gift and not as a result of works. This morning, let me give you some definitions if I can. Redemption. We're going to say that, and by the way, this is, this is straight out of Wikipedia, so it's got to be right. The action of regaining. Redemption is the action of regaining or gaining possession of something in exchange for payment or clearing of a debt. How does that apply to us spiritually? Because you and I, according to Scripture, according to the things we, we went over the past two weeks out of Scripture, according to God, we were His initially, and yet we were overtaken by what? By sin. Sin has a hold on us. Sin stole us away from our rightful place with God. Does that make sense? So what does God say? You are too important to me. Do you hear that? You are too important to God. 
to be stolen away. So important that He was willing to give His very own Son that He might buy you back from sin and death. That is redemption. That is redemption. So what is mercy? If mercy is an active ingredient, we need to clarify. Mercy, the action of compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. So there's an interesting caveat to this idea of mercy. That you actually have to start with justice. Or maybe it's an act of injustice. But let's just roll with the spiritual framework of what we're trying to learn today with redemption. Justice is, is that if I am guilty of sin, that sin comes with a, a what? A consequence. And that consequence, according to sin, is death. Not only eternal and spiritual death, but it is the idea of daily being subjugated to the effects of sin. We see it all around us, right? We talked about that last week. That, that that's what's self-evident about sin all around us in our world and in our own lives. And so when we talk about mercy, God has to have justice when it comes to that sin. There has to be a payment for that sin in order for justice to be justice. Here's the challenge. You and I could never pay that payment. So we are eternally condemned. There is no way we could satisfy the judge with anything we can do. Isn't that hopeless? But in that midst of that hopelessness, what happens? God offers in His mercy, His incredulous mercy and kindness. He creates a way that we do not have to be subjugated to the effects and consequences of that justice. That doesn't mean God isn't just. The payment had to be made. What did He do? In His incredible mercy, He paid the penalty personally. That is the active ingredient in redemption. Amen? Grace is the next one. Before I get to that, let me just share with you. Sometimes we learn, we get a better picture by thinking of the antithesis of something. Many of you have been around long enough to have met one of my mentors in my life, Dr. Cook, of no relation, but he calls me his son. And Dr. Cook is in his 80s now. He's been all over the world. He's been um, declared, I think, like a prince in Fiji. He has spoken at the Pentagon. He has been knighted. He He has seen thousands come to the Lord. He has been in the jungles, the deepest jungles of India, with spears to his throat. I mean, the, the, the veracity and the magnitude of how God has used this man makes me shudder. He is a modern-day Elijah. He was on the mission field in, the, I think it's the Philippines or maybe it was Sri Lanka. And he and his wife had just given birth to their son Jeffrey. Um, I'm not 100% sure how old Jeffrey was when this happened, but he had developed a bronchial infection. And... The way Dr. Cook tells the story is obviously where they were, Christianity was not favored. Um, And some people knew that Dr. Cook was a missionary. Well, they had the medication for Jeffrey. And by the way, this was a desperate situation. 
It was a life-threatening situation for this baby. And they had the medication, but the interesting thing is, is that they needed the machine to apply the medication. And so they ordered the machine as fast as they could. One day they got the notification that it was down at the customs office. It had come in and they breathed a huge sigh of relief. And Dr. Cook went down and said, I believe you're holding a package for me. And the customs agent recognized Dr. Cook as a missionary and he said, what's the package? And he said, it's a piece of medical equipment. And the customs agent asked him, well, what does it look like? What does it do? And he explained it to the customs agent and then some very powerful words were stated. The agent looked Dr. Cook in the eyes and he said, will your son die if he doesn't have this machine? Dr. Cook thought, well, I, 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 you know, I don't really think in those terms, but yes, he will. So the custom agent returned a few minutes later with the machine in his hand, just a few feet away from Jim Cook. And he took that machine and he smashed it to pieces. This is the effect of sin and anger and hatred. And out of that man's voice came these words. Just one more Christian that will never live. Jeffrey died a few weeks later. Now that's a serious story. I tell it because we need to wrestle with how serious the active ingredient of mercy is. Do you grasp that if it wasn't for Christ, grace could never have been administered to you and to me? We should hold tightly to that mercy. It should affect us. It should cause us to contemplate every breath, every decision. Grace is another active ingredient. Now there's a word here that really bothers me. I went to uh, Bible college. I went to seminary. This is a seminarian word. This is Christianese, if ever there was. The free, here it is, unmerited. How many used the word unmerited this past week? I I don't know why we do this. (laughs) Unmerited is you just didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it, okay? The free, unmerited favor of God as manifested in the salvation of sinners and bestowal of blessings. So part of this idea of grace is this gift of eternal life that's given to us even though we didn't deserve it. There's the gift. First, there is the mercy. Us not getting what we deserve, right? In in punishment. But here... We're getting something so much more that's a gift. Not mercy, but we're being given a gift that enhances it, change it. It brings hope into our life. And not only through the single act of redemption for eternal life, but grace, this idea, the Greek word charis, is this idea of even the manifestation of your gifts that God gives you. Did you know that? This same word. When somebody blesses you through a spiritual act because of the Holy Spirit, that is the same grace 
That's why you hear Paul or see Paul when he writes, grace and peace to you. Grace is an incredible thing. I have a a letter here that was written to me just before we came to Concord Bible Church. I had not yet uh, entered seminary. And I'm... I remember asking, we were at Brad's house, and I remember asking, okay, why would you guys hire someone who's not been to seminary yet? And I remember uh, one particular person saying, we're desperate. No, I'm just, they didn't say that. <laughs> we couldn't get anybody else, so, you know, you're the only one that showed up for the barbecue. Um, no, they said everybody needs to start somewhere. Thank you. Thank you. But it was a concern of mine, and before we came, I did enter into seminary, and it was a big challenge for us because we didn't have the money to pay for it. And we had to make a a choice. Is God calling us to this? Okay, God, if you're calling me to do this, then you've got to create the way. I'm looking online. I'll never forget the night. I'm looking online. It was probably a a month before I came, and I'm looking at uh, Trinity Evangelical School, and seminary, and I've got the program right in front of me, and it's got the click now, the big blue click now button, commit your entire savings, your life. And I've got the cursor sitting right there, and I've got my hand shaking, levitating over the mouse. I'm just praying, God, what do I do? What do I do? And there was a peace, and it was like, if I'm going to call you to do this, I'm going to give you what you need. Okay. Click. Five minutes later, my wife walks into the room and she hands me this letter. And she says, oh, I've had this for a week. I just forgot to give it to you. I just found it. She didn't even know what I just did. Committed us to financial destruction. That's how it usually goes in marriage, right? I'm not telling, I'm not telling that person. It'll show up on the bill. Dear Jeremy and Janine, and I will just let you know this was from a young couple who had no money that were on my youth staff. Dear Jeremy and Janine, the Lord has put it on our hearts to give this money to you. We were supposed to give it to you earlier, but with everything going on, we forgot. Hmm. So that was two delays in order to have this very dramatic moment. You think God doesn't orchestrate His grace? Please accept this money as from the Lord and not us. This is yours, and for some reason... It had to pass through our hands. Our only condition is that you don't thank us for it. But give all thanks to God above. We also ask that if you choose to tell others of this blessing, and I've waited 10 years to do this. We also ask that if you choose to tell others of this blessing, that you don't mention our names. So I won't say Sam and Francis. That's not their names. We are so happy for you that God has decided to bless you in this way. We rejoice with you and thank God for His promised provision to His children. Yesterday, something came in the mail. And God knew I'd be preaching about grace today. There it is. The letter, right? God laid it on... I can wad this up and throw it away now. 
God laid it on their hearts. I had no idea. And I prayed, God, if you're calling me to this, you've got to provide God's grace. God's grace. To escape from sin, you have to have the active ingredient of grace. To continually walk in the faith, recognize where grace has been afforded to you. And you will be so empowered as to who God is and how God takes care of His children. It'll be tremendous. Faith, the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. That's straight from Scripture. Hebrews 11.1 Let me just take us real quickly to a reclassification of redemption. Let's make it as simple as we can. It's the cross. It's the cross. Redemption is the cross. Now when we say the cross, there's a whole lot tied into that, so I'm going to give you a longer explanation. All right. This is a quote from a very wise and astute seminary grad from one day. The loving and powerful work of God's mercy upon mankind through the gift of His Son who paid our penalty of sin on the cross for those who place their faith in the power of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and believe. You see those same words that are ingredients that are the crazy cure. You talk about a crazy cure. Sin has such gravitas to it. It is so desperately horrific in what it carries around. It took a crazy cure to beat sin. But it's been beaten. Amen? And who gets to participate in that? Those who place their faith in Christ. And what did we say faith was? It's the assurance of things hoped for. It's the conviction of things not seen. This morning... I'm going to challenge you in this idea. There's your your three words. How can I be cured of the darkness of sin? I'm going to give you three things. Faith. It is through faith that you believe. You saw this in Ephesians 2, verse 8. This morning, if that light of Christ, if you have never committed to that, or you have always been taught that you could just be good enough to find merit in God's eyes, you cannot. You heard the Scripture you heard God say it. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes unto the Father except what? No, through attending church. Through giving. Through making sure you're teaching Sunday school. Through inviting your neighbors over to your house and, and sharing you know, your, your meatloaf. No, that would be a sin. Your steak with them. Right? Or, or maybe I'll just put my faith in Pastor Jeremy and he'll absolve me of all my sins. I, I don't have that power. Please don't do that. That's a wicked anathema that's been taught in religion. Is that other men have the power to give you redemption. Don't be fooled. Do not be fooled by that. It's through faith. I fully plan on there being a sport court out there by Saturday. If you're going to ask me how it was going to happen over the past few years, I started praying over that sport court five years ago. Something I didn't see, but I knew God was going to give it to us. I knew God was... Same thing with Lifetime. I knew God was going to give it to us. 
the assurance, but it takes steps of faith. This morning, I implore you, what's at stake? Eternal life is at stake. You cannot buy it. You cannot earn it. You simply say, I accept it. And I follow Christ. Acknowledge, confess that Jesus is Lord. Romans 10.9 says, if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is the Son of God, that He died and rose on the third day, then we will be what? Saved. Saved from... We say that all the time. And you know, if I was walking in and all I knew was like, you know, sports, I'm like, saved? Saved from what? Saved from what? You guys sound like the Swedish chef on the Muppets. Saved from what? I don't care if you all say it in unison. Just blurt it out. Sin and death. Judgment. On and on it goes. Right? Do you want that? Do you want that light in your life? And if you already have it, by the way, you keep walking in this grace and mercy. You keep walking in this grace and mercy because it drives you into incredible relationship with Him. It is essential. Lastly, it transforms you. This was what I was just saying. Galatians 2.20. We'll close with this verse. I've had cause recently to get reintroduced to this verse and it's changing my life. One of the things that happened for me over sabbatical was to become enamored with the actions of the cross. I've absolutely become consumed with the narrative of what happened on the cross. Galatians 2.20 says this. I'm actually going to back it up to 15. No, let's go 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for it, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. That's exactly what we preached for the past two weeks. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer have to be a slave to sin. That light is either in you or it's waiting for you. The question is, have you been transformed? The question is, do you have faith in it? The question is, have you acknowledged that? Do you want it? I will tell you right now, it's such a weird, freaky thing. How do you know the voice of God? How do you deal with that? Scripture says this as well. In closing, listen carefully. None of us None of us, as brilliant as Chuck is, not even Chuck, none of us would ever seek God. 1 Corinthians 2 is just a great way to go look and understand that. So if there is something stirring in your heart this morning, you need to listen very carefully to this. You know how, you know how mom would tell you, maybe she didn't, but my mom did, you know, you mess up and she would say what? Wait till dad gets up. You know, I always heard those words crystal clear. (laughs) Crystal clear. Please. This is not a threat like that was, but please listen. If there is anything stirring in you to pursue that grace, that redemption, that's the voice of God. 
That is the voice of the Almighty reaching to you. Do not ignore it. You enter into eternal life. You enter into an incredible life with Him. You enter into a community of love and freedom. Will you struggle in sin? Yeah, because we live in a sinful world, but you'll have an answer. The question is, are you hearing? Is there any element in you this morning that is calling you to that? If so, do not neglect it. If you grew up being told if you just do this, 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 and this, and this, and you'll experience heaven and you'll be free from sin, just let me help you understand. Doing this, 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 and this is not what you just heard straight from Scripture. Maybe understanding that having a true faith in Him is this idea of all of this was done by Him for you in love that you might have glorious life and you might be seated with Him in heaven. I'm going to pray. I'm going to do a couple things while I pray. I'm going to pray over our offering this morning. And if, if you brought a gift this morning, it's on the way out. On the left, if you have a prayer request, fill out a card and drop that in the basket on the right or the box on the right. But I'm also going to pray that the Spirit would move within any individual this morning that maybe God's talking to you saying, I want that light. I want that crazy cure for sin. I thought I had it, but I still have a nagging cough. Right? I need the cure that's going to work. Let's close in prayer this morning. Father, to You be the glory. The most powerful words in Scripture next to the name of Jesus I have to believe are redemption, love, grace, and mercy, and thankfulness. Father, I am so thankful that at some point in time, there was that sense, that drawing, that compulsion to follow You. Even though I didn't see You, there was that compulsion that this is real, this is something, I want this. You have not disappointed. My 44 years of walking with You, You have not disappointed. You've only given me grace upon grace and mercy upon mercy. This morning, Father, I'm asking if Your Holy Spirit is speaking to anyone in the room as we all have our eyes closed in honor of speaking to the Lord right now. If there's anyone here today that, that these words, the power behind them, the influence behind them, the message of the cross, the idea of redemption has spoken to their heart and they're saying, I want to be free from sin and death. I want this redemption. I don't fully understand it, but I want this redemption. I sense God is calling me into it. Father, compel them to look up right now. Only those that are seeking that clear understanding of redemption and salvation through Your Son, Jesus Christ. Let them look up even now. Amen. Now just understand, if you're looking up right now, I'm going to come and I'm going to share with you at some point this week the, the story of salvation. I want this to be really clear. Really clear. That you know what you're committing to. Amen.
Amen. Okay. Praise God. God's answered prayer. Praise God. Lord, you have worked powerfully today. You continue to do your work. You continue to shine in a dark world. I praise you for your work. Accept our gifts today. Use them for your glory. Thank you, Father, for the faithfulness of those who have given so that we could have a place to gather today, so that the word might go out, so that people's lives might be transformed. Thank you. All the praise and glory goes to you, God. Amen.